0: Another edition of 10,000 pitches, a podcast devoted to everything Minnesota Soccer and beyond. My name is Jeremy Rushing, alongside me as always from SodaSoccer.com. Dominic Jose Bazonio. Dom, how you doing? You kicking the COVID or what? I'm starting to kick it. I'm in the, yeah. I'm in the process
1: of kicking it.
0: Uh <laughs> yeah. What this is
1: uh this is the this episode maybe particularly um might be the most COVID-y episode of this podcast ever because your family was just going through some stuff now yeah. <laughs> I'm going yep. through some stuff so it's good times it's good
0: times at the uh at the soda soccer offices but uh sure. per- <laughs> yeah the soda but, soccer offices soda soccer HQ yes. which is uh a combination of our our basements and living rooms. residences yeah basements <laughs> and and wherever rooms we can find in our houses to record yeah. our uh our podcast but uh yeah it's interesting because we're sort of on the back end of it at this house. You know, everybody's tested negative uh, a couple times over now, but because our three-year-old, you know, hasn't gotten the opportunity to be vaccinated yet, she's got to do like the whole two week thing, even though she's already tested negative. So we're still feeling the effects of it there, but fortunately everybody's good to go. And, and it's good to hear that you are currently kicking it, as you mentioned. <laughs> um, and hopefully next week we can have a fully healthy, fully COVID free episode for you. But anyways, um, this is episode 99. It is. We're one away from hitting triple digits. The big one hundred. Um, we've been teasing that we were going to potentially do something fun for our 100th episode. To be quite honest, we haven't gotten anything set up specifically for the 100th episode yet. Maybe we'll do something between now and next week, but it's very, very busy times. Uh, I'm recording. This is my fifth of six podcasts that I'm recording this week. So we're just, you know, we're just taking it day by day here at yeah. 10K and Soda Soccer. But maybe we can get a few reoccurring guests together for episode 100 next week. Maybe we'll do something special. Stay tuned in to the Soda Soccer socials. That's not a guarantee, no. but we're going to put in some effort to maybe see if we can make something happen. Worst
1: case, maybe we'll do something for like 101.
0: Yeah, <laughs> there you go. When we have more there you time. go. Yeah, just we'll some random it. episode after 100 will put something <laughs> together potentially. But anyways, um, if you have now, you know, whether you've tuned into all 99 episodes at this point or this is your first or you're anywhere in between, if you haven't hit that subscribe button, please do. If you haven't left, left us a rating and review, please do. If you haven't followed us on Twitter at Soda SoC, please do that as well. Big thank you to everybody who's tuned in and who supported us through this run. Uh, just one episode now away from that big 100 um, a lot to get to, as per usual, Dom. So yeah. we're going to jump right into it. Usually we kick off with Minnesota United, but we're going to kick things off this week a little differently with Minnesota Aurora. Because of the two simultaneous matches that happened Wednesday evening, it was Minnesota Aurora, the team that came out with the W, in the you know bigger match, being that it was their playoff opener, a 2-1 to win at TCO Stadium over Indy 11 in the playoff quarterfinal. Um, 6,200 strong there at TCO Stadium, and this is significant, Dom, because you know there's an MLS home match being played in the same market at the same exact time, and you still sell out TCO if you're Aurora with 6,200 fans. That's a pretty incredible feat, considering that there was—I wouldn't even call it competition—but there was another big time professional soccer match happening at the same time just a few miles down the road.
1: Oh for sure. I mean just just to be like transparent as someone that has seen the 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 back office workings of of teams at this sort of level in the NPSL and things like that when when Minnesota United is playing the same day as you that is usually you usually have to surrender your expectations for attendance. That's just the mm-hmm. thing. That every front office for every NPSL, UPSL, whatever team will tell you we will admit to you is the truth um mm-hmm. even if you're not in the twin cities by the way duluth yeah. rochester whatever everyone gets affected by that uh so the fact that uh that minnesota aurora avoided that while playing at the same time by the way too it which is that that's just staying uh that's a, that's incredibly impressive um uh from them from a you know marketing standpoint and all that but but uh but just from those those fans as well to to show that commitment and decide to go to this game instead of being available to see what what the loons were up to. Uh, and, and the folks that went to the Aurora game, I suppose were were, were gifted the better results out of yeah. out of that that show of faith. Uh, but yeah, again, very uh, a, a great show of uh, of commitment from the Aurora fan base for sure.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's pretty incredible and it's not like they were taking necessarily taking away fans from Allianz Field. There were still almost 19,000 strong there uh, for the Loons uh, in their Mm match against Sporting Kansas City. So, I mean, when you do the math, that's, you know, approximately 25,000 separate individuals who are going out to watch live soccer on a Wednesday night. Pretty awesome. And to be honest, when when you know you look at what we do at sodasoccer.com really trying to put a lot of time and effort and energy into covering every corner of the minnesota soccer scene giving a spotlight to some clubs and leagues that may not normally get it in the in the normal sports media scene here um this is what we're talking about like this is when we talk about soccer being huge in minnesota and, and you know every corner of Minnesota soccer deserving that spotlight that's what we mean when there's twenty five thousand people attending two separate matches at the same time on a Wednesday night like that shows an incredible level of support overall for just soccer in Minnesota in general that I don't think many other especially midwestern markets can can really come close to
1: yeah, I mean we, we talk about so the time, but there there's actually a, a, a very unique, uh, I think, uh, soccer community in this state, certainly that, that sort of congregates, particularly in the, in the twin cities area. Uh, but, but outside of that as well, uh, that, you know, this year, uh, as for many years, but this year in a new level, obviously with, with Minnesota Aurora kind of bringing a new side to, to the game, uh, in this state, uh, it, it continues to show its depth and it's, it's interest, it's uh, will to invest and, and spend time um so yeah really really cool uh you know minnesota particularly in, in w- because of where it is in the country it, it is in a lot of ways a conduit for for the soccer in the states around it uh mm-hmm. the dakotas iowa uh, uh wisconsin uh all of those states obviously not having pro teams some of them having very few amateur teams so uh, just really cool to see conti- uh, Minnesota continue to grow as a soccer state and, and to show, like you said, with collectively the amount of people going to see soccer that night. Um, while, by the way, you have the USA cup going on and all this other stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, still really, a, a really uh, reassuring thing, I think, for, for folks like us that, that take the time to cover the game in the state.
0: Definitely. So let's go to what happened on the field at TCO on Wednesday evening. Um, Aurora came into this not only with sort of an unknown in terms of how they would stack up against the national competition, right? The only time we had really seen them play, obviously, over the course of the season was in the context of the Heartland division. Green Bay, St. Louis, two Chicago teams, Caw Valley, you know, that's only a small percentage of the entire USLW league. And there were uh, three other undefeated teams at the time. Uh, you know that that went through their respective regular seasons without a loss. India Eleven being one of them. So it was intriguing to see how Aurora would stack up against that national competition outside of what the power rankings say and what you know certain now you know analysts will say. You know you don't really know until you see them compete on the field. Right. On top of that, you're missing two of your most important midfield pieces in Shelby Hopow and Morgan Stone. So you're going in shorthanded, but they, Aurora has made a, um, a conscious effort and Nicole Lukic has made a conscious effort to make sure that, uh, you know, a lot of pieces are being used in the regular season, probably with this kind of moment in mind, knowing that, you know, in your 14th game in a month and a half, you're probably going to need some bench players to step up in an important moment. And that's what we saw last night. You have Mayu Inakawa getting in the starting lineup when she hadn't started a match in the regular season. We'll get to her contribution in just a little bit, but just from the start of the match when we were looking at the lineup and looking at this Indy Eleven team, you know how they stacked up, some of the stats and stuff. We knew this was going to be a challenge for Minnesota Aurora, and just interested to see how they would they would stack up.
1: Yeah, and you know I, I I'm sure we'll talk much more about this as we proceed but you know right away this this clearly was one of the most challenging games they, they've ever played Absolutely. um uh in 11 i think pressed them and pushed them in a way that i uh, maybe in bursts of minutes they've had to deal with in, in the regular season but but really mm-hmm. never at this level uh and and so it's it's sort of a if this game had gone against Mr. Aurora, which at one point it seemed like it could have and obviously it didn't in the end, um, it, it would have been a perfect storm really of things for them to deal with. You have mm-hmm. those personnel rotations to deal with. you have a team, one indie 11 being just probably one, you know one of the best opponents they've had to play ever so mm-hmm. far, uh, you have that indie 11 side come and clearly be very intent on making the most of the day not just a, a good team on paper, but physically on the night, clearly wanting to perform well, a lot of energy, a lot of intent. Um, so, you know, it's it, it set up to be the challenge of the season for them so far, uh, which is obviously what you want out of playoff soccer. Uh, and what's what's really impressive, as we'll, we'll talk about, is that Minnesota Aurora faced that, even stumbled in some early moments with that challenge but then figured their way out of it, which is yeah. something I don't know if we've quite seen them have to do this season. Um, certainly well, at this level, uh, you know, that the only points they dropped all year were from a late, late equalizer of a game. They were winning most of the time. So we've never back really, in May, seen, right? <laughs> right. Right. Literally week one. So yeah, never really seen them, even in you know, there were some games through the year that maybe they, maybe at halftime, it was one, one or so or two, one or something like that, where it was a close ish game, but, You've never really seen them in this sort of trench, uh, in a match. So, uh, you know, for me just watching, I'm sure even more so for folks that have been covering them really, really closely the whole season, um, it was a really interesting match to see this team navigate through, uh, and, and they, they
0: figured it out, which is a, which is the most impressive part. It was the first time they had faced a halftime deficit all year, um, and it, it was deserved. I mean, they were they were outplayed in that first half. They absolutely took one on the chin in that first half from Indy 11. Um, it was Emma Rogers who got the goal in the 37th minute. But one standout player for Minnesota Aurora that really kept them in this match was Sarah Fuller in goal. Um, her first half was vital to keeping Aurora in striking distance and in the match at the half. This could have easily been 2-0, maybe even 3-0 at the break if not for the play between the posts of Sarah Fuller. Three key saves, um, basically in like a uh, six or seven minute span, right around the 25th, 25, 30th minute. Um, the first one was a really, really nice save, but the second and third, that was a huge sequence because she makes a save and then it de- when it deflects off of Fuller, it actually goes off the hand of Addie Simmons in the box. So that gives Indy a penalty kick. And then Fuller then steps up and saves the PK as well. That sequence could have gone a ton of different ways. It could have really put Aurora in a hole early on. Yes, they went down and they conceded after that on a really nice goal from Ella Rogers in the 37th. But that play from Sarah Fuller early on is what kept Aurora in the match and is what kept sort of the confidence that, you know, okay, we're in striking distance. We'll figure this out and we'll find a way.
1: Yeah, and you know, just like what I, what we were both saying about, we, have we ever really uh, seen Minnesota or Aurora have to face this sort of uh, hill to climb before this season? I think we saw, you know, Sarah Fuller step up in a way that she hasn't had to the entire season. And and obviously, yeah. when she came in, it was a player people were very excited about because of uh, her achievements in, in soccer and in, in other sports. Uh, and she's had a great year, obviously. But at the same time, you know, when you look at the way the co- the conference played out, clearly, Uh, there were maybe roles that were asked more of than goalkeeper uh, in in the season, the way it played out. Uh, And so for when that happens, sometimes when you get into the playoffs and then you have a game where the goalkeeper is asked of as much as in this game, that's often where teams lose because certain players just aren't used to the challenge level because they've had the season that's gone so well with the certain challenge level. Uh, So, Long story short, for for her to step up the way she did with with open play, say it's obviously with that penalty moment. Uh, you know, even if this game had ended up not becoming a, a win for Aurora, it, it's easily one of her best performances of the season, uh, and one of the most standout moments of the season. So, really impressive from her to just be that aware, regardless of the ebbs and flows of of that regular season, to be ready to step up to not let the you know, when, when you're surviving pressure the way that Aurora were in that first half, and then you concede a PK, even before the attempt is taken, there's that drop-off of, oh man, all of that, and we're probably still going to be 1-0 down. So to, to have the the maturity to just look past that, step up, good save against a decent penalty attempt. Uh, again, it's just very impressive from this group. In, in this case, Sarah Fuller in particular.
0: Now they do concede, as I mentioned a little bit later on in the 37, to go down one nil at half, but you're in striking distance. But that first half was, you know, it was the most disjointed, disorganized Aurora team I think we had had seen all year. And I think that was a lot to do with the pressure that Indy was was putting on them. I don't think it's a pressure that they have really faced. And huge credit to head coach Nicole Lukic because she recognized that and she pushed all the right buttons at halftime, switching the formation to a 3-5-2. And so what that did for Aurora was it it basically said okay instead of defending from the back and taking in all this pressure and putting all of our pressure on putting all this pressure on our goalkeeper, we're going to take a little bit of a risk, but we're going to stack our midfield and we're going to try to defend from the front to a relieve that pressure off of Sarah Fuller and the back line, but b. You're turning, you're, you're theoretically then turning the ball over higher up the pitch in a greater position to turn around and turn that into a quality goal scoring opportunity. In addition to the disjointed defensive play in the first half, there was a real lack of midfield connectivity. I think that showed, you know, missing pieces like Hopau and Morgan Stone in the midfield. Um, I think that showed what just how disjointed the play overall was in that first half. But those tactical changes at half. In addition to Aurora just sort of picking themselves up and dusting themselves off and, and saying, Okay, we're in this, let's go get this. Um, I think it was a, a really, really good decision, obviously, because in the second half things things really changed. Um, 50th minute, very, very important goal, obviously, to bring it level, but just for just just because things weren't really going Aurora's way leading up to this. Morgan Turner steps up in the 50th with it would, Aurora's had a goal or two in the SC top 10 this yeah. year, which have been deserved. But for my money, this is the goal of the year for Aurora so far. <laughs> this left-footed curler from Morgan Turner is just, you can tell why she is one of the top prospects for NWSL right now uh, with this kind of effort. It's a left-footed curler. Almost looks like it's going to go wide left of the uh, field goal posts at TCO Stadium. And it just ends up curling back into the top corner. That's a, I say this all the time when we're talking about banger goals. That's an any league, anywhere goal. Like it's tucked away so, so just greatly in the top corner. Just an unbelievable goal and obviously an important one to bring Aurora level early in the second half. All right, you can call this our 10K Coffee Break because it's time to tell you about our friends over at 9th Street Soccer and Coffee. Derek and his team at 9th Street have been so great to us and we hope you can support them the way they've done for us over this past year. 9th Street is part indoor soccer facility, part coffee shop. You heard me right. You can get a pickup game in and get your espresso fix all in the same place. How cool is that? I have to say, I was lucky enough to sample some of the coffee you can get at 9th Street. My goodness, it's some great stuff. Derek is one hell of a barista, I'll just say that. Affordable weekly pickup is always available at 9th Street. You can reserve the field for your team, party, or group outing. And they always have something cool going on at Ninth Street, including Minnesota United Watch Park is happening periodically for road games throughout the season. So make sure you check them out on IG and Twitter at 9th Ninth Street MPLS, that's Ninth and Street, both spelled out. N-I-N-T-H-S-T-R-E-E-T MPLS on IG and Twitter. Look them up on Facebook and Google, or visit their website, 9thStreetMPLS.com just like the uh, social handles. N-I-N-T-H-S-T-R-E-E-T MPLS.com to sign up for pickup, reserve field time, or just learn all about our good friends over at 9th Street Soccer and Coffee. 801 South Ninth Street in Minneapolis or online NinthStreetMpls.com. The the indie goal
1: was, was very good too, but but this goal well, was easily the highlight of the of the game. Um, mm. Just you know those sorts of goals when they like actually like you said in that any league sort of thing when, when they go in no matter what you're watching it's always uh, uh, sort of a heart stopper or whatever you want to call it. Uh, that that dip at the end to sort of mislead you as to where it's going and all that. Um, yeah, you couldn't really get a more eventful. Um, equalizer. It, it, it's ironic that the first two goals, the goal from each side, are really impressive open goal strikes, and then of course the game decider ends up being a PK. But, um, but no, yeah, a really, really just clean moment from Turner. Just a, a really good awareness. Clearly hits the ball very well, um, and and just that that moment of of, of skill. And you know, there, there's always a, a luck behind every goal as well, but. Uh, co- the combination of those two things just in the perfect moment to kind of change the turn of the match, get everybody motivated, get the stadium motivated, get the crowd behind them. Uh, yeah, great moment.
0: In the uh, post Aurora post game show that I did with uh, Mark Profraski from Equal Time Soccer and Danny Foxhoven um I had two words that really described this match for Aurora. It was adaptability, which we talked about with the formation change from Lukic and the way just Aurora played in that second half compared to the first. But also resiliency, um, and we saw the things that were going wrong for Aurora in the first half. Um, all those seemed to be righted in the second. And what I mean by that is Sarah Fuller was tested often in that first half. She was not really tested at all in the second half. That high line, high defense that they played in the second half worked to perfection because Indy really did not get another quality goal scoring opportunity at all. Um, when we're talking about the second half and you get rewarded for that on the, uh, attacking end a little bit later in the second half. Um, and it's Mayu Inukawa stepping up on a earned penalty. And you thought maybe Morgan Turner would be the one to step up and take this PK. She's been the PK taker all year. Obviously she had the, uh, the club's first hat trick in the regular season finale against green bay coming off that excellent goal earlier in the match you think okay she's going to be the one to step up and take this and and bury the winner but it's mayo inukawa that shows up and steps up and we mentioned she hadn't really started all year for minnesota started in this match due to some of the injuries um and she takes this the word that comes to mind is brave like this is a brave PK. The the stutter step, very patient run up or I don't even call it a run up. It was a stutter up basically. And the keeper guesses right, but this ball is so uh perfectly placed in the bottom corner. You see you see pros in the Premier League try this type of PK and they send it 4 miles over the crossbar. Right? <laughs> right <laughs> seriously yeah, if yeah. You see no, a guy, serious. stepping up like that to take a pk like anytime i watch that in the premier league or in pros i'm like oh this is this is going to be a mess right They're yeah. trying to be too cute with it but it was a great taken penalty by inakawa the the keeper te- um guessed right but it was perfectly placed in the corner um one of the highlights of the match uh for me or one of the highlights, I guess, of the season so far for Aurora. This thing, this video is being played over and over and over again on social media right now. Um, but it, it, it just shows, A, the depth that this team has, but that Nicole Lukic has trusted all season long paying off when a player like Inakawa, who hasn't necessarily been a difference maker um, for the team up to that point, buries the winner in a playoff match to send you to the semifinals. That's awesome all the way around yeah
1: absolutely and you know we, we already talked about the, um, the the good choices made by the coaching staff in terms of the lineup um, but you know or or rather the uh, the halftime formation change rather. Um, and you know things like pKs and that sort of, you know I, I don't know per per se exactly what was communicated on on the pitch and lead up to to her taking that penalty instead of Turner. but um assuming that that the coaching staff had any input on that, you know, that, that, that's stuff that coaches have to pay attention to in, in training and warmups, ups et cetera. They always have this sort of live updating thought process about who looks confident on PKs, who looks confident on different types of set pieces. Uh, and sometimes you got to switch it up and, and see what happens. You got to take that risk. Uh, I've seen teams at this sort of level do incredibly well off of taking those sorts of risks and, and putting somebody in that position to, in this situation, to take a PK, uh, that maybe isn't person that would normally do it. Maybe it's not even a person that feels incredibly confident about their PKs, but it's a person you know can make this moment worth something. Obviously they made the right call on this one. Really cool moment for her to to make that unexpected start and then get this goal. Um, And yeah, I mean, just, you know, the the caps off a really well put together second half from Aurora. Like you said, after a first half that I think most people want to forget, outside of perhaps the penalty save. Uh, it's just that adaptability, uh, and again, that sense of maturity in difficult situations, uh, just continues to seem to be the engine for this team, which is uh, which is very encouraging, obviously as their as their playoff campaign continues.
0: Now, although Aurora are the last remaining undefeated team in the W League, remaining in the playoffs, it does not get easier for them moving forward. Because while The McLean team, they are playing in the semifinals at TCO Stadium Sunday, five o'clock. Tickets still on sale, by the way. Um, Now, while they're not undefeated, they won their quarterfinal playoff game eight (laughs) nil. Eight different goal scores. Yeah, that's rough. Or excuse me, seven (laughs) different goal scores. Eight goals, seven different goal scores. Anyways, so. It's, it's going to be an even greater challenge than you faced against Indy. But what I think plays to Aurora's advantage here is, A, you realize you can overcome these challenges. You took it on the chin against one of the best teams in the league, and you came back and fired back in the second half, and you you got the result necessary. I thought my thinking was – now, I could be proven wrong on Sunday. My thinking was if they could get past the quarterfinals – they have. I mean, I, I thought they had a, a good shot of, of winning the whole thing, but my to me the biggest hump was the quarterfinal. A, it's the first playoff match. B, you can sort of akin it to the season opener as well. You know, the team was playing a little nervous, a little tight um, against a really good Green Bay side. I thought maybe we would. There's a chance we could see a little bit of the same in the playoff opener as right. well against a really good Indy Eleven team, but they fought back. They get the win. So I think a little bit of that pressure is off and I think they might be a little bit more in, in go mode, if you will, for this match against McLean, but it's going to be a massive challenge to, to, to take the win there and advance to the USLW league final.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it'll, it'll be a challenge. Obviously this quarterfinal is a challenge, but you know, I will say that last night was a, uh, a, uh, affirming in that I, this whole season, my broken record thing that I keep saying about Minnesota Aurora is that I don't want to be the team that has to play them in the playoffs. I don't want to be the team that has to play them to get to the final or the semifinal for that matter. Um, and I, I, you know, I, I think that they showed enough grit and adaptability to an incredibly difficult matchup uh, this week that, I, if If I'm an Aurora supporter, if I'm somebody that's that's following this team, I would be very positive about what is uh, what is left for this team to do in this playoff run. Uh, obviously that scoreline for the previous McLean match is uh, intimidating. but you know that that's how playoffs work sometimes. you have mismatched teams, you have a new lead. obviously we're still mm-hmm. exploring and figuring out. Perhaps that matchup was, uh, you know, not one very in favor of the other team. Aurora have to just decide that that's not going to be the case for them, and mm-hmm. and be prepared for this match. Hopefully, perhaps with with uh, a healthier group. Uh, but yeah, uh, again, I I still wouldn't want to be the team that has to play Aurora to get yeah. to the final. I wouldn't want to be McLean. Uh, and uh, so we'll we'll see we'll see what they have in store. But but uh, I think this group has every reason to be confidence respectful, and reasonable, but confident in, in their ability and, and to continue to continue represent Minnesota.
0: And again, that semifinal is at TCO Stadium. It is 5 o'clock, kickoff there on Sunday, and you can get your tickets at eminaurora.com for that one if you want to attend Sunday's semifinal. All right, so now we're going to transition over and talk Minnesota United. They also played on Wednesday, but first, we got to talk about the Friday night win. Over Vancouver. It was three to one in favor of the loons. Their third straight win. Uh goals from Kamar Lawrence in the 71st off a really nice feed from DJ Taylor. Luis Samaria, really nice goal in the 84th. on uh, and Franco Fragapane finished things off finishing things off in the 88th. Dane St. Clair, the goalkeeper, getting the assist on that one off the goal kick. Um good response from the loons after going down one-nil early in the second half. The thing, the you know, the criticism of the loons has It's been recently that they'll play a good first half, but kind of fall apart in the second. Um, This one, we saw a little bit of the opposite. Um, First half really was not a great, well-played half from either side, disjointed both ways. Um, I do think Vancouver had the better run of play, and even into this early in the second half, they did as well. But after giving up that goal, there were some adjustments made. There was some, uh, I think, a sense of urgency created uh, in the way of Minnesota that we really haven't seen in a second half, at least lately. Um, three goals from the 71st minute on, um, a lot of things to be optimistic about coming out of that one with your third straight win and nine points in three matches. And suddenly after Friday, Loons found themselves and continue to find themselves, uh, right in the thick of the playoff picture after being, I wouldn't say dead in the water, but there wasn't a lot to be optimistic about before this three game run.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we, talk, we talked last time about this Vancouver game was really a must-win because of the nature of where the two teams were compared to each other, basically back-to-back, just on the edge of the playoffs. Um, yeah, you know, there there are things to note and improve on from, from that performance, but it was an encouraging performance. I don't think we've seen the Loons attack... Um, surge this much late in the game since the the that period of time where we the uh Denladi and Juan substitution thing was was going on uh, you know every game for for a couple of weeks um so you know in that sense it's it's interesting to see that get pulled off without by the way um that sort of substitution pattern and, and rather just done in a more gradual natural way uh great to see you know this is probably the most solo skill-based goal we've seen from Amaria in a long time. So cool to see him find that, show that ability, get that goal. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's, it's a good win. It's a good response on the road. It's a good recovery from being 1-0 down. Uh, it's the kind of thing, to be perfectly frank, that other teams have been doing to Minnesota recently. Uh, mm-hmm. And and the Loons figured out a way to do it to, to Vancouver, which is not a bad thing. That's That's sometimes a sign that a team is is learning to deal with the situation when they're able to do it themselves to other teams. Um, So, yeah, I mean, encouraging, obviously the, the result that, that followed uh, midweek was, was less encouraging, but in the vacuum of this one game, big win against a playoff competitor uh, and uh, you know, loons for the night did exactly
0: what they needed to do, which is, which is great to see. These three goals kind of signify two big storylines, and I think two big reasons why Minnesota has kind of been able to turn things around uh, for the most part over these last few weeks. First one, Kamar Lawrence from DJ Taylor. The Loons' fullback play has been excellent, probably their best, most consistent area of the pitch in terms of production and quality so far. So to see that DJ to Kamar connection, um, Kamar Lawrence has been excellent solidifying that left-back spot. Um, well-deserved goal for him. Um, he has been getting very involved in the attack almost almost Roman Metenaresk in his mm. um, relentless overlapping play and getting involved in the Lunes attack from that left side. So I think that's been crucial for them. And then Amaria and Fragapane, two guys who were you know low on confidence, hadn't really contributed up until this point of the season. Um, but they both get really crucial goals and really deserve goals. Luis Samaria with that left-footed curler, just, I mean, one of the better, probably the best goal we've seen from him since since 2020 in a Minnesota United uniform, maybe even pre-COVID 2020 in a Minnesota United uniform. Uh, really good quality stuff. That's what you expect to see from your starting number nine, especially one with the DP tag on him. And then uh, Fragapane. I mean, he has been, um, you know, he is so important to this team when he is on So when he's not been on, which he has really not been for a majority of the season, it is very, very noticeable. And it does, you know, very much impact whether or not Minnesota gets points and gets results. He has sort of turned things around a little bit and is getting more confidence and is getting more involved as well. Um, Obviously, you see him get on the score sheet there in the 88th. So um, the confidence of Amaria and Fragapane growing is big, but also just continuing to have that consistent play from the fullbacks, both in the defense, but in the attack as well. I think those have been two crucial elements to the loons turning things around. Specifically, when it comes to their goal scoring output and the quality they're providing in the attacking third, it's been good to see. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you know, on the note
1: of of Kamara Lawrence, I think it was a very good week for him. Obviously, he was uh, um, a big part of of the point that Minnesota did get out of the uh, the SKC match that we're going to talk about too. Um, but no, great to see him stepping up. I, I think left back is a position that has not not been up in the air because he's been playing it for a, a fair bit now. But in terms of what's his long term impact on this team, where does this team go you know long term with that position of left back? there's been a lot of ambiguity about that. I feel like a lot of lack of discussion because simply people aren't sure what what to what to think. um so to see him continue to step up and develop into that that role for Minnesota United is encouraging, uh, you know. Uh, not a lot of options for the team right now at left back, whereas there there are a lot more healthy or injured for right back. Uh, so yeah, very encouraging and and yeah, encouraging to see uh, Fradipane and Amaria, you know, continue to find their their form a little bit more this season. Uh, you know, again, there there's been a, a bit of a roller coaster with that, as we'll probably talk about with the Nets game. But yeah, the, at, at the very least, for that night, for that three one win over Vancouver, it was is a very
0: positive positive result. Absolutely. Um, and then you go to Wednesday night, not necessarily a positive result. 1 1 draw with SKC at home. Um, if you were to, you know, blur out Kansas City's logo and just look at the stats and look at what uh, they have done or, or haven't done so far this season, um, minus 16 goal differential coming into this one, worst in the league. Um, 11 losses on the year, worst in the league. Uh, one of their best players, Kyrie Shelton, goalless through 15 appearances, now 16 appearances because he didn't get a goal last night. Um, and then of course, just where they sit near the bottom of the West. Um, you gotta be, th- you gotta be licking your chops if you're Minnesota. When you see that saying, okay, we're on a three game win streak facing the struggling team at home, but then you sort of take the hood off and suddenly you see it's SKC and you're like, okay, maybe this won't be as easy as we thought. Because aside from the 4-0 route at Kansas City last year in favor of uh, the rivals, um, it's really been a very, very tight series between these two teams who have played seemingly infinite number of matches against each other uh, (laughs) since and even before the Loons uh, entered MLS. So... um, that was that's that was something to consider coming into this one. This is kind of the kind of rivalry match that it's no matter the record is always usually played pretty tight. Uh, but in this one, we just didn't really see that firepower and see that that it factor that Minnesota brought in the previous three matches. Things seem to be a little bit in cruise control for the Loons, not in a good way, uh, on autopilot a little bit. Um, the goal they did get. Uh, late in the first half, which could have been a big momentum changer for him, was um, you know credit to the one standout player that I thought that we saw. We already said his name, Kamar Lawrence. I thought he was excellent uh, Wednesday night. One of the few standout players for Minnesota um, chases down a ball that that looks destined to head over the end line for a goal kick, but he's able to center that and, and get that cross into the middle of the box just before that ball does cross over the end line um, and. Good things happen when you put the ball in the box and you put the ball in dangerous spots, good things can happen. And we see that there takes a deflection off of Pontas and ends up going in off of keeper John Pulskamp for the own goal. But you're feeling pretty good at half considering, you know, Loons didn't play very well. Casey had the better, had very much the better run of play in that first half, but you go in up one nil. thinking okay we make some adjustments we turn things around we sort of get back to what we've seen the last few games this is three points for us but it just wasn't to be johnny russell scores in the 63rd we saw a little bit more of that um you know they were better in the second half i thought the loons uh more on the front foot uh but it just it wasn't to the level that you would need to extend the lead um they had a few opportunities specifically at the at the death at the end to get that, get that goal to, to get the winner, but it just wasn't to be. Um, and it ends up in a pretty disappointing one, one draw a draw that can feel like a loss. Um, I said on post loons to me, it does feel like a loss, um, after that. Um, but all in all, I think when you look back at the last four matches and you see 10 points in four, it's something to build off of and take away from, but that last result certainly leaves a sour taste in the mouth.
1: It does. And and look, uh, a 1-1 draw is not the end of the world. I, th- I think obviously the point of concern is because it came against the SKC side that is doing very poorly this year. I know it's Peter Vermees. I know it's Sporting Kansas City, and that those names and brands are, are always going to be a force in this league. But the fact is they aren't really a force in this league this season. So – yeah. Uh the, the the fact that Minister United, you know, and like you said, there's kind of an irony to it because the second half when SKC actually scored their goal was probably the half that they played with less intensity. The first half, when they probably should have scored, uh, the loons just seemed incredibly open to to runs and counterattacks and possession from SKC. That was discouraging. Uh, you know, the Loons do lead at halftime, which was encouraging. But, at, you know, by the full time, you have a Loons side whose attack has produced no goals of their own, really. Obviously, with the, their, with the Minnesota United's goal being an own goal from, from Kansas City. Uh, it just, it, it, it leaves a bit of a foul taste in the mouth after a good run Overall. Uh, The next game obviously being against the D.C. United side, who's in a sort of a similar situation to Sporting Kansas City. So then it leaves you wondering how the Loons prepare for that game. Uh, And, you know, it's – the Loons for a while have had this issue of performing poorly in games they should probably be winning. Uh, And so to see that continue after a good run of form, you know, winning games that they maybe on paper don't automatically win that in a weird way, it's sort of a continuation of what we've seen for a while, uh, which again, it just leaves question marks. So, you know, we'll have to see how they adapt to this. Obviously, they have another lead game coming up, they have that friendly against Everton coming up. We'll see how they adapt to to what I think is fair to call poor performance uh, this week. But uh, it, it is a good acclimation of points overall. It does put the Loons in a much better position in terms of the playoffs than they were, you know, say, three, two, three weeks ago so in that sense it's a job well done it's a better place to be uh but it is concerning just to continue to see these sort of blips to be able to form uh in minnesota united you would like to see this team just dominate games they're supposed to dominate we haven't really seen them do that maybe we see them do that against dc uh but yeah again it's 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 a really well-earned point on the road from skc it's it's two points that there's no reason to be giving up
0: from the loons We'll get right back into the episode in just a minute, but I want to talk to you about our friends over at Pence Homes. If you're on Minnesota United Twitter, you probably know who Nate Pence is. He's a diehard Loon supporter, but he's also a supporter of Minnesota soccer as a whole, just like us here at Soda Soccer. See, Nate and his team are realtors specializing in the St. Paul and Minneapolis area, and he proudly supports various teams and organizations in the Twin Cities soccer community, like Minneapolis City, our friends over at Equal Time Soccer, and now SodaSoccer.com. And ten thousand pitches. Not only is Nate ingrained in the local soccer ecosystem here, he's also helped countless people in and around the metro buy and sell their homes, and has made them very happy as a result. But don't take our word for it. Just listen to what Kate W had to say. She said, "Quote: It was excellent to work with. He's down to earth, approachable, not pushy. We developed a great rapport with Nate." and have already recommended him to friends. So just head to penceholmes.com to get the process started or email Nate directly at nate at penceholmes.com. That's p-e-n-t-z holmes.com. Also, make sure you let him know Jeremy from Soda Soccer sent you. Again, that's penceholmes.com, p-e-n-t-z holmes.com. And now that puts a lot more pressure, speaking of D.C., on this match coming up against D.C. United, new manager Wayne Rooney. And DC coming in, I I believe he will be on the sideline for DC in that one. Don't quote me on that, but I believe it will be, it will be. it might be his debut actually too. Yeah. Um, so that'll be interesting. Uh, the the uh, interesting factoid here: um Wayne Rooney was on the field for DC United when Minnesota when Minnesota United got their first win at Allianz Field against DC back in 2019. Right. I was there for that one. Um it was interesting. The loons were up uh, just, just one quick story from that match. The loons were up late and DC got a corner kick where it was close to stoppage time and Rooney took it and he miss hits the crap out of it. And it goes into the brew hall stands oh, and the, the fans around are just going nuts, like losing their minds, cheering, clapping, yelling. <laughs> it was hilarious and awesome all at the same time. Uh, but, uh, Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see him return if he does return for this one against Minnesota on Saturday. But this loss, there's not a lot of equity built up now when you talk about facing a team that's on a poor run of form like D.C. KC, things are bad in the Western Conference. D.C. has basically been the version of Kansas City in the Eastern Conference. Um, Most recently, losing 7-0 to Philadelphia, um, giving up a touchdown. So that's where things are at for D.C. right now. And there's no reason you shouldn't get three points against D.C. And if you don't, all those question marks, all of those doubts, all of that starts to really come back to the surface in a big way. If right. you go back-to-back matches at home against a you know 10th or worst team in the West and a 10th or worst team in the East – if you don't get a win in either of those matches, even if it's another draw, even if they're not completely out of the playoff picture after it, it's still tough to take, and it still, I think, rightly raises more of those questions that we had prior to the win streak.
1: Yeah, and you just you have – Minnesota's in a better place now than they, they were before, but you have enough teams nearby hunting for those playoff spots. You have your Nashvilles, your Seattles, Vancouver to a degree – uh, you you have teams in the mix that are fighting for these spots. You simply cannot be giving up points right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you even have teams like Colorado who are several points back, but not that far away. Minnesota need to make the most of opportunities. They just need to. They need a couple more wins to sort of create a gap between where they are and that playoff line. They simply did not take the opportunity to do that against Kansas City. Uh DC is another opportunity, like you said, that you should expect to do that. If they don't, paints a very interesting picture for this team going into that friendly before they return to league play. Uh, so, you know, a lot to prove. There's been a lot to prove all season from Minnesota United, but this is an opportunity in a smaller vacuum to prove something uh, and 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 make that playoff dream that a month ago seemed very far away make it seem a little more real, a little more tangible with uh, with a more confident result against D.C.
0: All right. So, again, that's Saturday, 7 p.m., post-loons coming away following that one once again. Um, a couple pieces of loons news that broke this week off the field. Uh, Dane St. Clair and Emmanuel Reynoso selected to the MLS All-Star roster. Um, Adrian Heath had mentioned that Robin Lud. Was sort of up for consideration, but he was sort of one of that initial group of players left out of that roster. Could be an injury replacement if needed. Um, deserved? Are those the, are those the right right picks? Is there anybody that you think might have got snubbed, Dom? I mean, if
1: <laughs> this is Dom Potato one, if we're going off all season, I think no outfield player deserves this more than Robin Load. Mm-hmm. Uh, if we're going off best peak moments, then Reynoso is the player you said. or name day.
0: value in the eyes right. of the you know, League Wide. Yeah. Right. So
1: because Emmanuel Reynoso, when he's had his peak performances, has easily been uh the the best player Minnesota United has, you know, for what I guess most recently was probably the RSL win where he gets two two goals mm-hmm. and assists. But those performances have only happened a couple times all season, whereas Robin Lod's top goal scorer overall has been playing very well in all kinds of different positions. Um, so, you know, maybe in a perfectly fair setup, he switches in for, for Reynoso on that one. But that being said, these are two very talented players from this roster, two of the better performers, uh, uh, Sinclair very much deserving some sort of shout out for, for his, his goalkeeping this season. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's two good call-ups from Minnesota United, uh, a team that does not always get a lot of love out of the all-star game. So in that mm-hmm. sense, also just very, uh, to see. Uh, obviously with it happening here as well. Uh, but yeah, you know, it would be interesting to see if, if, if Robin looked somehow get some sort of, some sort of love as a, as a, as a late call in for an injury or something, but, uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not I'm certainly not upset about about those two players being the ones called up.
0: Not me either me either, but I do agree. I think Lud's the obvious one where you say, okay, he's been the most consistent player for Minnesota, you know, right. aside from DSC pretty much all season. Probably deserve that nod. Um, two other guys that I think if they were able to get a consistent run of form, um, or just a consistent run of games uh, with Minnesota, that I, I think A, I think the loons would be in a little bit better spot than they're currently in but also probably would have uh, received more consideration to be on the team. One of those obviously being Curvin Ariaga, bit by the injury bug a couple times, but when he's been on the field, he's been a difference maker. And another one is Kamar Lawrence. I think if you get 15 plus starts of Kamar Lawrence in a Loon's uniform this season, if he had joined the team a little bit earlier, um, I, I think there would have been much more heavy consideration for him to be on that all-star roster. Um, he's a name that's known across MLS um, he's a former MLS all-star um, you know so I, I think if he was you know considering the run of form he's had lately and the performance he's put together if he was able to do that you know and, and got a little more earlier chance to do that with Minnesota United I think he's a name that that probably I wouldn't say be a shoe in but I think it definitely would have been deserving of a, of a spot
1: yeah definitely you know like you said it's, it's sort of just, just a matter of a little bit of bad luck in terms of when he kind of Got put into that position, obviously, with some of the things that were going on with, with, uh, with, with Chase Gasper moving in and out of that position and so on. It's just the way time played out on that is is a little un, uh, unlucky for him in terms of his uh, ability to get into this list. Uh, if if he had just started the season with the team in that position, uh, then yeah, he probably would have deserved a call up as well because particularly recently he's been he's been fantastic. But yeah, I mean, I'm 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 still pretty positive about the uh, the loons that are represented here.
0: Uh made official on Tuesday this week, Alan Benitez, the Paraguayan right back, signs a two and a half year contract plus a club option to join Minnesota United. Um he'll be avail- available to play pending a physical and receipt of his visa um and will occupy an international spot that they just opened up by uh you know sending Adrian One back to France, which Speaking of Dom, Adrian Anu actually scored a PK goal in his first match back at uh, Angers <laughs> in uh, in France. So uh, yeah, he's he's picking up right where he left off uh, in right. League One. But um, Alain Benitez coming in, um, and look, I think they're trying to replicate a little bit of what they had on the right with Roman Metnair um, during Metnair's peak time with Minnesota. He's somebody that can get forward in the attack um you know you know my feelings on this Uh, I think DJ Taylor has earned that spot and maybe he will earn that spot we will see I think it'll be also interesting to see how (laughs) adaptable and how flexible Benitez could potentially be if we can see instances where Taylor and Benitez are on the field at the same time uh where they both get what I think you know would be deserving minutes uh for both of them so a lot of questions but the big question answered Benitez is in a Minnesota United uniform. Uh, Dom, your initial thoughts on the signing.
1: Yeah, you know, again, as as we've kind of talked about, I, I do think that uh, it's a signing that raises interesting questions in the sense that we already have a, a right back that's performing quite well in DJ Taylor. Uh, that being said, they're clearly interested in in building some depth and building some competition for that spot. Alan Benitez, I'm sure, will, will contribute to that and, and is a player that has been playing at a, a good level for quite a while, uh, has a little more experience. So it'll be interesting to see those two compete for minutes, compete for that spot. I do think DJ Taylor deserves uh, to not be automatically shafted away uh, because he's, he's performed very well. So uh, it'll be interesting. And, you know, and, you know we, we talked the last episode, I think, just about how maybe that wasn't the the roster battle to ignite at this point in the season, but that's the call they've made. Um, and so it'll be interesting to see uh, how, how, how Taylor responds and, and if Benitez ends up proving to be better then Hey, by all means he should be playing, but it'll be interesting to see how those two compare uh, and, and what all of that means for DJ Taylor.
0: Uh, a tie-in here is that Benitez um, is a member of the Paraguayan national team, along with fellow now fellow Luis Samaria. Um, so maybe they have a little bit of connectivity there. We'll see if that if that uh, you know plays itself out on the field. Right. But I, I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued by the signing. Yeah. I think you're there, they've been missing Roman Metinier. DJ Taylor has played well, uh, but it'll be interesting to see if it's competition. play another spot on the roster that that is needed at this point so um the first of uh you know what will probably be a a couple or a few signings for minnesota as we move forward a couple more transfer rumors um but nothing too concrete uh just yet um where reports are indicating that that things have already been signed sealed and delivered so um we'll keep you tuned in and, and keep you abreast of all that moving forward on 10k all right, so let me bring back up the notes here, find out where we are. Moving over to lower league news in USL League 2. Um, Minneapolis City was off in USL League 2 this week, um, but, but it was St. Croix on Wednesday night going on the road to Des Moines. I'm losing 4-1. Uh, the menace locking up that USL League 2 um, Deep North Division title um, in the process. So uh, congrats to them, well deserved. Um, and the final game of the season, it's another edition of the Twin Cities Derby Minneapolis City hosting Saint Croix, uh, and that's Friday evening as you're listening to this. So tonight at Ador Nelson Field, um, you know, a couple of seasons that you know for Saint Croix, there's been some, you know, a, a, I think a lot more to build off of in this first USL League Two season. Of course, a couple wins, more results than what Minneapolis City has gotten. But you know, we've we've talked at nauseum about you know this this sort of new endeavor for Minneapolis City and the growing pains that may and have come with it but it would be a big boost heading into the offseason if you can beat your twin city rival to get your first and only win of the year to finish things out so we'll see how uh see how things play themselves out uh tonight if you're listening on friday
1: yeah absolutely and you know i think probably next episode will be a good time to look back on on just the season as a whole for them but uh from a minneapolis city perspective like you said this is a great opportunity to at least get that one win to end the year on a good note. Um, regardless of how that game goes, there's going to be a lot of big questions and big obstacles and challenges that they're going to have to navigate in the offseason, season, but uh, it, it's a good opportunity from a St. Croix perspective. They've had a good year, although these last several matches have, have not quite gone their way. Uh, so coming to Minneapolis city is also a great opportunity to end the year on a, on a good note, get a, a road win against your your state rival um and uh and you know end the year i guess what would it be on like 11 points uh which is a pretty good haul considering you know where minneapolis city are so yeah i think both teams have to play for here uh which is which is great to see
0: yeah so again friday evening 7 p.m kickoff at ador nelson field for that usl league two finale uh, to the wpsl now where salvo begin their playoff campaign by traveling to play Colorado Rapids that's on July 16th no of course not the uh not the MLS Colorado Rapids the wpsl version they're playing um, the MLS <laughs> <Champions>. <laughs> yeah this is yeah I knew I knew that would raise some eyebrows uh for people listening so just wanted to make that clarification there we were all thinking it um so that's on Saturday here's the kicker though the game of course being in Colorado that's mountain Time. For some reason, the game is starting at 9 a.m. local time there in Colorado. So that's 10 a.m. Central that we're getting this kickoff. So grab your coffee and check out our friends over at Equal Time Soccer, as they will have a pregame show bright and early at 9 a.m. over on their social channels at Equal Time Soccer on Twitter. So um an early one on Saturday, but um, you know, we talked about kind of where we, you know, being intrigued by how Aurora would stack up against the national competition. Um, that's even more amplified, I think, when we're talking about Salvo, just because there's so many there's so many divisions in the WPSL and so many other teams. It's cool to see one of those Northern Conference teams because it's, it's been a while since we've had national playoffs in the WPSL. Been a few years now. Um, it's uh, it'll be very interesting to see how Salvo does stack up against a team like Colorado.
1: Yeah, it'll be really interesting to see. Uh, you know, the the WPSL northern conference is certainly kind of have its shape to it and there's several teams in that conference that expect to compete for the title to several that don't so it'll be interesting to see how salvo exiting that bubble can do against uh you know another side a clearly competitive side backed by the, the colorado rapids organization um the timing is very interesting just as someone who's who's seen teams sort of in camp for tournaments like this or for playoff games on the road like this i'm very interested to see how the coaching staff structure their day if they're playing that early in the day only because day of a, of a playoff game. I mean, teams will usually be wanting to spend the day leading up to an evening doing the practice, doing the run-throughs of, of film with players. Uh, that can all take a lot of time. So it'll be interesting to see how they structure their, their setup, but um, hopefully they they figure that out and, and they have a good game. It'd be cool to see Salvo, like you kind of said, don't uh, want to run the way Aurora is going on a run. So, yeah, be very interesting matchup, and uh,
0: and hopefully Salvo uh, make the most of it. So again, that's Saturday morning Equal Time Soccer's pregame show on their Twitter channel, starting at nine, and then the match kicks off at ten. Over on Eleven Sports, just search uh, Salvo SC, and you should be able to find it there. Uh, NPSL. Let's wrap things up here. Recent results: Minneapolis City. Uh, you have a great adjective or a great. Great verb. It's not an adjective. It's a verb. Uh, sorry. Uh, <laughs> great verb to describe this. They restrain Joy Athletic in a 2-0 win. I think that's pretty uh, pretty spot on there. Um, Aris, unfortunately, had to forfeit their match with Dakota Fusion while Sioux Falls beat the Twin Stars 3-0. And then in the big one on Saturday, it was Med City and Duluth with a draw in Duluth. 1-1 the final. So Med City remain in that pole position for the final match week to take home uh, the NPSL North crown. Um, it's very much in their, um, in their hands, uh, whether or not they will take home the trophy. Uh, so the way the table is set up, Med City is a top on 32 points, Duluth one point back on 31. So if Med City, um, if Med City gets a win, they, they, they get the title straight up, straight away. Um, no ifs, ands, or buts about it. If they drop points, though, that does leave the door open for Duluth. And with Duluth taking on Sioux Falls, obviously it's not going to be an easy one, but it's definitely a match that Duluth is favored in. So they give themselves a shot if they get the three points. But Med City, um, you know, taking on Joy Athletic on Saturday, um, they're, you know, favored to get all three points in that one as well. And what's a very important match. So, um, yeah med city in the driver's seat but it's not over by any means um way back in third dakota fusion on 18 points um been told that Ariffs uh forfeited um match would put fusion at 21 points but the league site has not made that official yet so um and then you have minneapolis city on 19 points there in fourth um sioux falls 14 twin stars 13 and then joy and lacrosse bringing up the rear there at 10 points and nine points respectively um so med city is gonna know what they need to do with duluth's match being on friday and med city on saturday um obviously you get the three points you're in no matter what but it's also advantageous for them that they play after duluth as well um just again from a sense of knowing what they'll need
1: yeah it's gonna be interesting you know i i don't know specifically why the joy in med city game is on saturday and everyone else plays on friday i'm not sure why it played out that way it it does create an interesting um timeline for this information Mm uh and uh you know like you said med city will know what they need to do when they play duluth will have already played uh if duluth does anything but win it you know essentially gives med city free reign although if duluth drew their game and med city lost in theory duluth could still win it but those two results are, are unlikely on paper. Um, yeah, so you know what Duluth's Duluth hope here will be more than anything will be a win, and then that Med City perhaps draw this game, uh, which which would see Duluth win. That being said, Med City should be very confident. Such a such a strong team. Uh, you know, it, funny enough, in that draw, in that one one draw with Med City and Duluth, it's almost like both teams were unlucky not to win. Mm-hmm. uh med city could have very easily won that game duluth could have very easily won that game particularly in the second half they put so much pressure that a second goal and just didn't go in uh dalil unlucky in that sense med city you know did actually score to make it two nil at one point but it was offside uh yep. but they did they did get the ball in the, in the back of the net uh they, they were playing very well so yeah a, a wild entertaining game that really probably deserved more goals than it had in it. Um but yeah, now it sets up a very interesting final weekend. Uh, we'll we'll have to see what Duluth can do with that final home game. At the very least, Duluth, you know, whatever the title chances are, they have, you know, points per game for, for uh, playoff seeding and all that to play for as well. So every reason for them to want to win that game. Uh, and then Med City have this sort of separate time to figure things out against Joy. Joy have not had a great season, which means that Med City are very much favorites in that game. That being said joy do have a talented group it is a home game they occasionally have gotten good results this season inconsistently so it is an interesting matchup uh it's one that that there is the potential for something to happen uh that being said very much uh interested to see if Med City can just come in and and do their thing and and confidently walk away champions so uh yeah really really interesting weekend that's going to play out here um and and in the background you have teams like the dakota fusion and sioux falls who are fighting to kind of get historic finishes in the mid Mm -hmm. table uh so yeah plenty to watch for this this weekend the title not decided albeit it uh looks like it's going a certain way and uh and plenty to look for in the mid table as well so very interested to see how
0: that all plays out one final note uh well, well let's just uh you know reiterate here duluth and sioux falls that's friday evening um, and then enjoy Athletic and Med City Saturday evening. If you're interested in watching how those matches play out, uh, one final note in Wapasle, Bateau uh, continue to reinstate themselves as the favorites at the top of the Wapasle table. They double up Lobos four to two. Lobos were at the top of the table. Now it's Bateau taking over that top spot. It's been a bit of a musical chairs at the top at the top. It started with Hayward, then it was Union. Then it was Bateau, then it was Lobos. Now it's Bateau again. Uh, so you know, a lot of teams in the mix in Wapassel this year, as we've mentioned. But, you know, it's it's like uh it's like it's like coffee. The cream rises to the top sometimes, Dom. And yep. uh Bateau just always seems to find themselves right there. And uh here they are now after a big win, dropping four on Lobos at the top of the Wapassel table once again
1: yeah I, I don't know quite how they managed to do it, but they found their way back at the top. and uh, it's very impressive. It's very impressive navigating their way through various other teams, like you said that that have kind of had peak periods this season so far. still still games to be played, and obviously still the then the uh, the uh, sort of playoff final to be played. but uh, yeah, a really impressive return to the top from Pateau, confident win against Lobos who who were looking very good. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how the rest of the season plays out as as everyone now has to sort of figure out their way to catch up um, Hayward for what it's worth, you know, picking up some results now. Uh, Union and Lobos obviously not necessarily out of the picture, but Pateau putting themselves in a really good position. So credit to them. Uh, you know, I, I forget what the analogy or the, the metaphor you, you've used in the past for, uh, for reigning champs is, but, you know, you you can't be – you can't be the the man you've
0: got to beat the man
1: that's it and unfortunately no one's quite figured that out this season it looks like they were going to but Mm uh just hasn't quite happened so yeah again really should see how how the rest of the season plays out but congratulations to in terms of just recovering from a, a sort of wobbly start of the year and 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 finding themselves at the top again
0: all right now it's time for everyone's favorite segment top four where Dom and I sort of give our favorite soccer or not soccer related news stories of the week. Usually it's soccer related. Um, And Dom, I'm going to go ahead and kick this one off this week, if you don't mind. Um, And mine has to do with USL expansion. So the United Soccer League announced two new teams, one in League One, one in USL Championship. The League One side is Santa Barbara Sky. They are joining uh, USL league one in 2024 and will also field a women's club that year as well in either the W league or the super league. So not sure exactly uh, where that, uh, where that women's team is going to play, but at the same time, it is, um, it is cool to see the, the USL league one specifically continue its expansion. Um, you know, there's not a lot of, uh, there hasn't been a lot of teams traditionally in USL League One. I think uh, we're at 11 or 12 currently. I think 11. So always nice to get more teams there as Santa Barbara kicks off in 2024. And interesting, interestingly enough, Peter Moore, who is a business, business executive and the former CEO of Liverpool, is the man behind and the, uh, the the chief investor for Santa Barbara Sky. So some international football flavor there. Obviously somebody who's very successful is an endeavors in his endeavors at Liverpool. And now he's investing in a tier three soccer organization in the U S pretty cool.
1: Yeah. It's really, really interesting to see uh, how that project goes for him and for the team itself. And uh, yeah, like you said, great to see uh league one continue to fill out a little bit just because uh, uh, you know, it's, it's still at the end of the day, a relatively small league it would be great to see more of the country mm-hmm. covered by it. So yeah, really awesome. Uh my that,
0: oh, go ahead. Sorry, I've I well, uh I guess my first story is kind of two in one. Uh so the other uh expansion side announced was New Orleans. They were awarded a USL Championship and USL Super League club, so another uh organization with both men's and women's <laughs> sides um and again all these clubs will begin play in 2024. All right, Dom. Now you're good to go.
1: Yeah,
0: very cool. Very uh, New Orleans probably not represented
1: enough on soccer, so that's very cool. Um right. Yeah, so uh, my my number one is is sort of a, a shout out to the state of the uh, of the MASL Division One season. Uh, there's sort of three teams at the top uh, with 13 or 14 games played, with the uh, you know the the eventual 18 games being the the regular season. Uh, so uh, we've got uh, Camargo or Camargo uh, with 25 points from 13 games. We got Deportivo Minnesota with 25 points from 14 games, so tied, but uh, one more game played, uh, and then uh, Dynamo out of St. Cloud are uh, 23 points from 13 games, so just a little bit behind, but they do have a game in hand compared to Deportivo Minnesota. Uh, so cool to see uh, MASL uh, continue to to take shape this season. A couple different teams competing at the top with a couple games left, and uh, best of luck to to all three as they sort of compete to to up each other in the, in that title race.
0: Yeah, don't sleep on the masl and a lot of a lot of great competition happening in that league and they use a pro rel system as well so if you're into pro rel masl might be the league for you um and yeah it's always a tight race at the top it seems um and this year is no different so a lot of exciting stuff um my my second and uh final story is the just that's the craziest match of the week in any league anywhere and of course we're going back to the USl in usl league one it was a 5-5 draw between Greenville and Tormenta. Yes, a 5-5 draw. Now that's not even the craziest part. Greenville found themselves up 4-0 in the first 35 minutes. I'll repeat. Greenville was up 4-0 in the first 35 minutes. Um, it was five two at half. So seven combined first half goals in this match then what happens in the second tormenta comes storming back with three goals to steal the point so down four nil in the first 35 five two and a half tormenta somehow some way finds a way to come back and notch a 5-5 draw and steal a point on the road the most total goals in a match in usl league one history just insane that's really wild and
1: and crazy to four goals in the first 35 minutes and then an entire second half of a clean sheet that's yep. that's that's just uh, yeah a hell of a, a hell of a halftime talk obviously mm-hmm. from uh, from the tormenta to locker room um but yeah that's that's really cool my uh, my second one is is about goals as well and it's that uh, uh, the uh, Minnesota United Dynamic Duo Batman and Superman both scored in the last week since we last posted a podcast. Miguel Barra scored a penalty for the Charlotte independence in a one, one draw with uh, the Richmond kickers on uh, July 8th, actually the night of when the last episode came out. And then uh, Christian Ramirez scored a brace for Aberdeen in. Of a, uh, yes, of course he did. in a Scottish league cup match against uh, Peterhead, I believe is how you would say that it's just Peter and head as one word. Uh, so, uh, Brace in that game. Uh, the for those that don't know, the Scottish League Cup starts before basically everything else in Scotland. It's almost like a preseason thing, but it is a proper tournament. And the first stage is like a group stage. So, so Aberdeen's playing a bunch of games right now uh, in this in this League Cup sort of first stage, and this is one of those games. So, uh, shout out to both of them still out there scoring goals. Uh, in this case, out of, out of MLS now, but uh, just cool to see both uh, Ramirez and Ibarra out there still doing their thing. I know lots of Minnesotans still follow them. So congrats to them on their goals.
0: Absolutely. All right, that'll do it for the free episode of 10,000 Pitches. Uh, we appreciate everybody for tuning in and listening. If you want more 10K, you can head on over right now to patreon.com. That's where you get 10K stoppage time. Myself and Dominic Jose Bazonio, sort of going in-depth on a particular topic as it pertains to Minnesota soccer, and this week's topic is the NPSL Midwest regional playoff picture. We know it's going to be Duluth and Med City. This weekend's results not only will crown the NPSL North champion, but will determine where both teams are placed in the Midwest regional playoffs, which could play a huge factor in which of those teams advances through, if one of those teams advances through the Midwest regional playoffs. So we'll get you caught up on how the bracket is looking and what the results could mean for where, Duluth and Med City will end up in that bracket coming up on patreon.com slash soccer 10k stoppage time so if you want more go check that out and support what we're doing um if not well guess what that's fine too we will see you next week for another edition of 10k have a great weekend everybody see you